for the past several weeks, really, we've been in this teaching series about belonging and becoming, and it's been all about what it means to be in the family of God. So like, if you follow Jesus, you're in the family of God, and what does it look like um, to both belong in that family, but also to become more and more like the family that God intended that to be? Um, and last week, we opened up this conversation about generosity. We had a little Lectio Divina, and if you don't know what that is, it's fine. Should have been here last week. Just kidding. Um, um, but it was really cool. We, it's basically a time of reflecting and listening for the Holy Spirit to speak through Scripture. Uh, and it was really, really a, a cool time. And I think what we kind of unpacked was that generosity goes so far beyond just like the money we give, but like there's just this heart level aspect to it that God is wanting a heart that is generous. And this week's going to be similar. Um, it's going to be more of a heart level conversation. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. If you're using one of our blue Bibles, that'll be on page 485. But before we, before we get started in, in reading this passage, um, I want you to be aware of something that our, our church is doing. Um, and if you've been here long enough, you know about this kind of a day. Has anyone heard of Kroger Day? Has anyone? Yeah. Kroger Day's awesome. Um, so for the past few years, uh, at least once a year, we'll get up here, we'll talk about generosity, loving the city, and then we'll really cut the service short or the gathering short. And we'll say, leave this place. We're gonna give you some grocery list go and buy groceries and everything that our church buys, we're gonna give it to this certain place. It's an amazing day. It kind of helps us like step into the mission of God, like take a little baby step into what it looks like to be the hands and feet of Jesus, not just listening to how people of God should live, but stepping into it together. Um, and last year we did that ourselves. We did that uh, here at the Ruby. At Aiken Elementary School's behind us here. We went and bought just a ton of groceries and then we just stockpiled their food pantry uh, and fed students that otherwise may not know where their meals were coming from. And it was an amazing, amazing day. Um, and it was cool because we got to leave here early. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but we're not doing that today. So guess what? We're gonna be here for a while. No, um, but we're not gonna do that today. Uh, and I wanna tell you why. So if you see stuff on Instagram, like, oh, these people are going crazy, going to Kroger, it's awesome. Um, we still love that. Um, but in our partnership with Aiken, we've been just meeting with their principal and just figured out that's not the greatest way we can meet their needs. Like they were like, if you're gonna really partner with us, that's awesome. We love that. But there's actually deeper ways that you can help us move. And so we're still in talks about that. We still wanna help all of us engage in, in like the life and the relationships of Jesus. Um, and we still wanna do that with Aiken Elementary. We are partnering with them. Um, but TBD on how and when that will happen, okay? So I hope you don't feel left out today with the other two campuses, what they're doing. Um, but just know we are stepping into that. We will do that. Does that make sense? So everyone, can I get head nods? Like, that, you me? Are, we, are you with me? With me? All right, awesome, great. Perfect, all right. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. This is our second week of talking about generosity of Jesus. So I'm gonna read this passage and then we'll talk about it, all right? Verse 31 is where we're gonna start. We got 15 verses, so um, hold tight. We're gonna read quite a few verses. This is Jesus talking. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, that's Jesus, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Pretty epic. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? 
or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in person and visit you? Or in prison, sorry. And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then you will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. All right, so really light stuff. How, is that great? Isn't that awesome? Yeah, so yeah, it's gonna be great. There's a sheep, goats, it's all good, you know? Um, you see why, like, as, I'm, as I was prefacing this teaching, I was like, look, I don't have it in me to like really cover this thing. So we're gonna need the spirit of God. And, you know, growing up, I'd heard Matthew 25 quite a few times. And as we're reading that, there can be like this, this tension. Look, before we go anywhere, am I a sheep or a goat in this scenario? You know what I mean? It's like, that's what I feel. I'm like, I, I grew up like knowing like salvation is, is a huge part of following Jesus. And it's so true. I, I absolutely believe that. But when I read this passage, like I, I immediately don't get this like touchy feely John three sixteen vibe from Jesus, right? Like he's loved the world. He sent his only son to die for you. If you believe in him, you get everlasting life. And the same Jesus is like, look, when I come into my glory, here's what's gonna happen. All the nations before me, I'm gonna start dividing people. And the first thing I think is, this is kind of scary. A little intimidating, honestly. Jesus, like, when I get up there, which way are you pointing? Like, this is terrifying. And so it would make me go into this, like, am I in relationship with you, God? Am I with you? <laughs> like, that's what I care about when I read this passage. Do I belong to your kingdom? And I think that's an important question. I, I, I don't wanna, like, make light of that question. However, as I was reading this week, I, I just kind of got lost in my imagination and, and really think that beyond just this kind of daunting, intimidating picture is a really beautiful, amazing insight into the heart of God. We're about to see what the God of all things really, really cares about. And it's pretty epic what he cares about. It's actually pretty awesome. I think it's something we'd all cheer for in this. And so I'm gonna invite us to kind of like put the tension of the sheep goat conversation to the side and just kind of get lost in like what this says about our creator, about God. And so I'm gonna get lost in my imagination up here and I wanna invite you to do the same thing. I just, I just kinda wanna take us on a journey. And as we go through this, we're gonna kinda see three different progressions, all right? So if you're a note taker, uh, we're gonna talk about what, what was, what was, what is, and what will be, all right? What was, what is, and what will be. And these are gonna be very fluid. Uh, it won't be as clean cut, like, okay, that's what was, here's what is. They're gonna kind of bleed together, okay? Um, but let's just, let's just start walking through it. Verse 31, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and before him, all the nations will be gathered and he'll separate one from another. One, this is a epic picture, right? When the son of man sits on his glorious throne, and all the nations come before him. Like, I was just struck by this. Jesus is like God. And I, I can forget that sometimes. Like, there's gonna be a day, this is coming, where he sits on his throne and everyone is before him. 
and all the illusions of who we actually answer to in this life, what all really matters, just like fade away immediately. And Jesus is in our sight. And we sit before him. I thought that was amazing. And then he's gonna say, let me find it. Come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom for you from the foundation of the world. That is so epic. Like God, Jesus on the throne, all glory, all nations answering to Jesus. And he's gonna say, come, I've got a kingdom prepared for you. It's been here since the foundation of the world. Come on in. I'm like, that is boss territory. Like good people are in that kingdom. These are, this is epic. How do I get on that VIP list, right? And even the listeners at this time, I wonder what they pictured when they thought of a kingdom. I mean, they were under the Roman government. Armies, soldiers, a lot of murders, like you dominated with physical force. And I'm like, when the king of kings says, hey, you can come into my kingdom, I've built it for you. What's he looking for? So before we even keep reading, I'm like, okay, if I'm, if I'm hearing this story and, I, and Jesus is mid-sentence and I'm like, okay, I gotta start picturing, who's he talking to in that moment? I'm picturing like some kind of epic fighting, unashamed soldier, like who really just did it for the kingdom. Preach to millions, like Billy Graham status. You know what I mean? Like revival preaching, thousands of people saved because of that one man. Like he gets to go into that kingdom. But here's what I love about this passage. What does he say? He starts describing people who noticed people who were hungry, who were thirsty, who were sick, who were imprisoned. I'm like, really? Is that that big of a deal? I I don't know. That seems like a pretty awesome gift for that. Like, I I don't know why, maybe that's not like what you get to, but I just thought something way more majestic, like way more powerful and daunting. But instead it's like, you saw the people that so many people struggle to see. I'm like, whoa, okay. Let me get lost in this God. What does this say about who you are? So I started chasing this. So I started thinking about what was. So it says, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So I started thinking about the foundation of the world. I thought about John 1, where it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And that, that use of that word, word, is speaking about Jesus. And I remembered, I was like, oh wait, the foundation of the world? How do you know kingdoms were prepared at that point? You were there. I forget that. Like the Trinity was there. I'm gonna take our attention to Genesis 127. I don't have it marked, hold on. You don't have to turn there unless you want to. I'm trying to lose my other spot. But I remember Jesus was there at the creation of the world. He is God. And so in Genesis 1, let's find it, 27, or let's go to 26. Then God said, let us make man. All right, this is God talking. Us make man in our image after our likeness. And skipping ahead to verse 27. So God created man in his own image and the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. And I started just getting lost in this thought. I was like, Jesus was there and said, let us make man in our image, right? And so he saw Adam and Eve created, he created Adam and Eve, and they walked in the garden. Literally, they took strolls, walks in the park, garden, with God. That's like scripture, that's that's a true thing. They actually went on walks with God. And I just was getting lost. Jesus was there, before sin was ever a thing. And he walked with Adam and Eve. And Adam could look at Eve and see this untainted, perfect image of God in Eve, right? Does that make sense? Do we follow that logic? 
yes? Eve could look at Adam and see the image of God in Adam. We follow, yeah? God could look at Adam and Eve and go, wow, these, this is my image. And what does he call it? When he talks about creation, he says, it is good, right? So God's there when all of perfection is there. Jesus is there with them when perfect unity, perfect friendship with God exists. And then something happens, right? There's this tree of knowledge. There's this temptation that Adam and Eve step into and sin enters the world. Brokenness enters the world. So now everything's different. There's no more walks in the garden with God. God being perfect cannot be in perfect unity with something with sin, right? Someone with sin in their life. So there's a separation, they leave the garden. But not only was God's relationship with man disrupted, man's relationship with man was disrupted. And you see it immediately. No longer do I look at Joe and go, image of God, I mean, with the Holy Spirit's help, we'll get there on that part. But no longer do, do we get to just do that with no filter. Like suddenly humans struggled to see God in one another. And I mean, it was immediate. Adam and Eve's sons, Cain and Abel, as brotherly as brothers can get because it ended in murder, like, right? They didn't even like have a play fight. They, he, Cain killed Abel, right? It's like, why did that happen? Jealousy, envy, pride. Abel has a sacrifice pleasing to the Lord. And Cain sees Abel, hates that fact, kills Abel. Immediately we see, what sin does to the brokenness of humanity, what it does to our perspective. And I won't walk through all the scriptures and, and talk through how like sin like slowly started to change how we see one another, but you see it throughout the scriptures. Things like nationality and race and gender, all these things begin to divide people. And instead of seeing sin, instead of seeing the image of God, sin has totally broken the perspective. There's all these things to make us lesser than or greater than everyone else. It's completely broken. That's what was. There's comparison, there's insecurity, there's anger. And then Jesus is gonna step into this. So now we're gonna to move to the what is. So with all of this brokenness, now Jesus takes on human flesh. Remembering that Jesus is God was there at the beginning. Now I want us to think about what it was like to have the perspective of Jesus who was there at creation in all of perfection. And then he steps into flesh grows up in a world where the religious elite literally give prayers of thanksgiving that they're not like someone else, that they're not like them. He literally watches his own image, look at another one of his own image and say, thank you, God, that I'm not them. And I just thought, what did that do to the heart of Jesus who was there at the beginning? He saw perfect unity. He knows perfect unity. He lived in perfect unity. And then he comes and he puts on flesh and immediately he sees humans hating one another and doing whatever they can to distinguish themselves from each other. Hey, this makes me above you. So I, I don't talk to you, right? What must that have done to him? I, I thought about, you know, this is a, a very weak example of what, this, what it made me think about. And I was in a teaching meeting and, and even Matt, where is Matt? Matt, some, Matt, thank you for this. He brought this up and I was like, it's a great point. We were talking about how if you ever grew up uh, with whoever, whoever it was that raised you, like I had two parents, mom and dad, and I loved them both. And when they fought, the world was ending for me. I was like, my two greatest leaders have turned against each other. They've joined opposite forces. What is happening, right? It hurt me. I'm like, mom, you know dad is like Superman. Dad, you know mom is superwoman, I guess. They're both superheroes to me, all right? And 
And I saw that and immediately I just felt like hurt. Like I remember like crying when my parents got in like a yelling fight. I know that your parents never yelled at each other, but mine did. And they yelled at each other. And I remember like that breaking my heart. I'm like, how can two people I love so much have an argument, right? That's something that's normal, but it still hurt. Or maybe you've had two friends. I know you've had this like in high school and you're like cool with both of them, but they have beef and they hate each other. And then you're the listening ear. You didn't want to be, but all of a sudden you are the listening ear for all the complaints about the other. And the whole time you're like, I, I don't get either of you because I love both of you. Okay, Tom's like a hundred billion, right? For Jesus to, to take on flesh and to join the world and to see the way we talk to one another, the way we treated each other, that had to break his heart. He creates the world exactly how he wants it. It gets completely disrupted and he comes into this brokenness and sees how we view one another. But the story of Jesus, which makes him awesome, the story of God, which makes him awesome, is that he, he was not content with the what is. His eyes were on the what will be. And he speaks of a day that's coming, but he didn't live a life that said, hey, sit back and chill. One day, it'll get better. He says, one day, this is all over. Here's how you can step into this now. Here's how I'm gonna establish my kingdom. In Matthew chapter six, he prays this prayer. Basically, his disciples go, Jesus, you're raising people from the dead. Teach me how to pray. <laughs> like, I need to get onto what you're onto. And Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. One, don't do it in like the Pharisees, all out in public for all the attention. But like, when you pray to your father, come, for him, come to him like this. And he says, our father, if, you've, if you're religious or not, you've heard this prayer most likely. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy on as it is in. Question, would Jesus pray a prayer he doesn't believe in? right? Would he ever tell you to pray to the Father something he didn't think was possible? Would he? I mean, who was Jesus? Like, perfect relationship with the Father, and he says, on earth as it is in heaven, right now, he comes down saying, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. In Matthew 25, we get this glimpse of the, of the full kingdom of God being established, but when Jesus got here, the world was not perfect, but he said, the kingdom of God is in your midst right now. Repent. And he starts living in a way that changed everyone's perspective on how to see one another. I think of the story of the Samaritan woman, how the Jews and the Samaritans had these like severe racial tensions and women were seen as lesser than. Not true, we all know that, but Jesus was in a culture where that was true. Jesus completely oversteps both of those boundaries and validates her, gives her life, shows her that he is the Messiah. She comes to know Jesus that day. Immediately, Jesus, when he gets here, he says, it's not yet, it will be, but I'm going to begin stepping into what the kingdom of heaven actually looks like right here on earth. So I think today, I don't have like a super long teaching, we're actually almost done. I think today, this is an invitation to ask the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus to change the way we see people on a heart level. And this is hard. Because Jesus comes into a culture that fights for division. You aware of any cultures like that in your midst right now? Like, we are a culture divided. And Jesus steps in and immediately begins showing what it looks like to go back to Genesis and to step into the future of heaven on earth. And it was amazing how it all connected with me. Jesus says, when you treat people this way, you're doing it to me. He says that in Matthew 25. And it all made sense. Genesis 1, created in his image. It's like not even a metaphor. It's like, no, 
when you treat, when you speak to people, when you interact, any human you see, that is actually me. My fingerprints all over that human. And in a culture that is begging us to have a social hierarchy, we're lesser than people. We actually identify them as lesser than. Jesus is going, that's me. Like, that's God. And God is not lesser than, ever, right? And so I just sense like this invitation, God, if we're gonna step into loving people really well, and I know that Jesus gets very specific about what type of people, and we're gonna pray about that. We need a heart transformation. We do not need three points that rhyme or start with the same letter. We need the Holy Spirit of God to renew our hearts in a, in a dramatic way. We need to come before you humbly with open hands and we need to ask for you to expose us the way only a gentle but perfect God can. And so I wanna just invite us to ask God this morning to transform our hearts because I don't think we need to leave here going, okay, who can I serve? That's probably a great question. I don't think it's the first question. I think the first question is, God, how should I look at other humans? And Jesus is gonna get specific, right? He's gonna say the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the imprisoned. And I think that's a great question because if you're, I mean, Nashville is such a good picture of what it looks like to have people who are poor, or lesser than in the financial sense. And it is, it's so clearly divided. And so quickly, when I see someone who I think is disadvantaged compared to me, and who may be, I think, let me step down to help. I don't think that's the picture that we're getting from Jesus here. I think you're saying, hey, one image bearer to another, help each other, love each other. And so we're gonna enter into a time of communion and I have no idea if this made sense. All I knew was that we needed God to transform our hearts and I could talk your ear off. I could come up with great points. Well, I probably couldn't. I'd come up with mediocre points and you guys would have takeaways. We need the Holy Spirit. We need God to adjust our hearts. Um, some of you are doing this fantastic. This is not like a we all are terrible people. So maybe I'm just preaching to myself. I need the Holy Spirit to expose my pride and my arrogance that I'm aware of and unaware of. I need him to give me a gentle heart that when I see someone, I don't think this is a perfect opportunity for me to give charity. This is a perfect opportunity for me to stoop down. I think that is Jesus right there. That is the image of God. Born in a different circumstance, a different life story, but that's me, just a different version of me right there. God, help me, give me eyes to see. And so we're gonna enter into a time of communion and we're gonna have some scriptures kind of scrolling as we do it. And so I'm gonna invite us after I pray to take communion, to go, you'll all get up, we'll go to the different tables, we'll get the juice, we'll get the bread, we'll return to our seats. You can take communion whenever you want to. But as you sit there, I wanna invite you just to watch the scriptures that come across the screen and ask God to like transform your heart, to grow you. God, what's my next step? How do I view people for real? Show me the ugly stuff too. I hate when you do that, but show me. Because anything that God exposes in our hearts, he's doing it for our good, for our better. And so, yeah, that's what I got. I'm gonna ask us to like invite the Holy Spirit to shape the way we see people, image bearers, revealing the, the, the way that culture uh, forces us to look at people. Like God, expose those lies, help us see it. 
And before we go out and become human doers, help us to be human beings that sit and let you transform our heart in the way the only Holy, in the only way the Holy Spirit can. Okay? Thank you guys for being here. I'm gonna pray. I'll dismiss this to communion. We'll go from there, all right? God, thank you for your word. I have no idea how that just went, but I trust your Holy Spirit. We need you, God, and I I just think it's so easy to come up with steps and strategies and plans apart from you. And God, I need your spirit to shape my heart. And I don't just wanna talk about your Holy Spirit in a distant way. God, I want you to be present, and you are present, but I want you to have access to my heart for real. And so God, I pray for us together, would you help us? If, if there's a barrier, if it's sin, if it's doubt, if it's anger, if it's busyness, if there's a barrier that is preventing one of us to really open up our hearts and say, God, you know what? For the first time in a long time, have access. God, would you just illuminate? And where the enemies at work, would you cast them out in Jesus' name? Like help us as children of God to open up our hearts to what you may have for us. And if anyone's here that doesn't know you, God, I pray that this passage would just illuminate how awesome you are. You see people that we try so hard to ignore. You validate people, we try to invalidate. You love people, we try to look past. You are such a good God for that, for making this so important. Um, We love you, Jesus. Lead us during this time of communion. Uh, Amen.